how many lives do we know have been saved from abortion pill reversal? They estimate now that uh, over 4,500 babies have been saved by abortion pill reversal. Incredible, that is incredible. Dr. George Delgado, thanks for sitting down for exclusives. It's wonderful to be here. I've known you. I think I first met you, was it 10 years ago now? About that, yeah. At a pro-life event in Southern California. But you've been an incredible pioneer in the pro-life movement of abortion pill reversal. So we're going to talk about that, your story. And we also have something in common because we both are kind of Bruins. That's you right. You did your residency at UCLA. Yes. So for people who don't know you yet, give us a background on George Delgado. Well, I was born in Northern California to an immigrant family, the family that came from Colombia, South America. And I have six brothers, one who's a priest. And I went to college at St. Mary's College of California, did my medical school at University of California, Davis, and then came to Southern California, did my family medicine residency at Santa Monica UCLA Medical Center. I'm board certified in family medicine as well as hospice and palliative medicine. I'm married my, to my lovely wife, Liz, for 38 years now, and we have four children, three of whom are married, and we have our sixth grandchild on the way. Wonderful. Congratulations. You. Well, your technology has that you helped pioneer has helped save over 4,000 children's lives from abortion. So it's And it's just getting started. I mean, there's tremendous potential for this to reverse the abortion pill process and save countless children in the future. Have you always, before we get into the story of how you did that, why you did that, have you always been pro-life? And if not, when was the moment for you that you became strongly pro-life? I've always been pro-life. I was raised in a family that was very pro-life, that we, we knew instinctively and also through our faith that um, life is the greatest gift that we have. And if you don't protect life, then there's no way to protect other rights. And if you don't protect everyone, you can't protect anyone. So did you, were you always involved in the pro-life movement? What was the moment where you even became aware of the abortion pill and wanted to do something about it? Well, I was involved in the pro-life movement long before the abortion pill came around. It was just, it was approved in the United States in the year 2000. So before that, I, I was involved now as an advocate for life, helping um, crisis pregnancy centers as a medical director, praying in front of abortion centers and trying to inculcate um, an ethic of life uh, with my children. And as the news started coming out about what was then called RU486, this abortion bill, it was being touted as this holy grail, that it was a way for a woman to independently conduct her own abortion and that it would be safer, uh, more private, and more acceptable to women. So I was really intrigued by that and I read about it and I learned about um, how it worked and how RU486, now called Mifepristone, causes abortion. And then from there, I think that set the stage for, for me to be involved when a woman called me one day asking for help. So I want to hear that story, but for people who may be learning about the abortion pill and its impact for the first time, today, 50%, over 50% of abortions are the abortion pill. So you were noticing it as a physician early on when it was being approved in a fast-track process. So Bill Clinton, very pro-abortion president at the time, fast-tracked the approval of this drug. It's an abortion drug. And early on, did you have a sense that this drug would become as prevalent as it is today? I did because I could see that, that you know, it, was, it was very easy to get. Um, there was a, quote, convenience factor. And I also was noticing that many of the older abortionists were retiring and they were not being replaced because 
Most physicians don't want to do abortions. It's only a very tiny percentage of physicians who do perform abortions. So tell me that first, um, that story of when you, someone first called you after taking the, abort, the, the first abortion pill. Well, I was in my office in San Diego seeing patients that day, and I got a call actually from a sidewalk counselor by the name of uh, Terry Palmquist. Terry had called me several times in the past asking for different uh, pro-life advice. And she was sidewalk counseling in front of a center in Bakersfield, California. However, at the same time, she had a cell phone and she had a website. And so she would field calls from all over the country, giving support to women who didn't have anywhere else to turn. Terry called me and said, George, I have a patient in El Paso, Texas, who took the abortion pill and has changed her mind. Can you help her? So what a question that was to present to me in a very busy afternoon seeing patients. Well, I stopped and I said, Terry, well, I've never heard of anyone reversing uh, a medical abortion. However, let me think about it. I started to think about it, and I think really that the information I had about studying mifepristone early on, as well as the information I had about using progesterone in pregnancy for women who have low progesterone levels and who might be miscarrying to save their pregnancies, that the Holy Spirit put those two together. And I got this idea, well, this is kind of like a low progesterone situation. It's artificially induced, of course, but perhaps we could give supplemental progesterone to override the mifepristone. And I knew we could do that because I know how the mifepristone works. And perhaps we could save the baby. So I told Terry, I think I have an idea. I think I can try to help. What happened next? So then, well, the woman was in El Paso. I was in San Diego. That was a little bit of a, a distance between us. So I got on the internet and I found a physician in El Paso, Texas, who had received NAPRO technology training like I had, knew how to use progesterone in pregnancy. I called her out of the blue. Fortunately, I was able to connect with her, Dr. Jonalyn Bellacura, and she had progesterone in the office. And I told her, well, here's what I think we ought to do. I came up with a protocol on the fly, asked her if she would use that. She said, yes, I'll dose it that way. Put her in contact with Terry and, and with the patient. She treated her, and several weeks later, she called me and said, well, the baby's still alive. Wow. And what was the outcome? Was the baby, did the baby survive? The, the, the baby survived. The baby was born and was very healthy. A few years later, I got a nice framed picture in the mail. Um, Terry Palmquist had gone to a conference, had met the woman. The woman had her baby, and uh, by then a toddler. The three of them took a picture and sent it to me, and uh, it's something that I treasure to this day. Amazing. And your, your willingness to jump in and take the risk of getting involved and thinking up an emergency protocol to help this woman save her baby's life. How does it feel knowing that? Since then, there have been thousands of lives you've helped save, but when, when, you say, when you helped save that life and you found out that this baby was thriving, eventually was born, how did that make you feel? Well, it made me feel very grateful, and I, I, felt, I still feel very privileged to be part of this movement, to be part of something that I think is so great, um, of, of being able to help women in these very difficult circumstances. And I don't see it so much as taking risks. We, we all take risks in our lives, of course. But I also see it as, as a bit of a duty. Um, I've been given very special gifts, um, gift to be a physician. Uh, I think some insights as to you know, what's, what's the best thing uh, to be done with, with my gifts. And so it's, it's really a duty and it's something that, that I have cherished. And um, I feel fortunate to be able to help people in this way with, with the gifts that I've been given, with the special privileges I've been given as a physician. We're not meant to keep these gifts to ourselves, but to share them with others. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope to do. Well, you're doing that and have done that so very generously and sacrificially because it comes with a lot of attacks. You know, there's a whole abortion industry in this country that hates the abortion pill reversal. 
process. They hate the very idea that it is possible to reverse the reverse chemical abortion. For folks who may be learning about this for the first time or beginning their research process about this, can you break down for us how abortion, how the abortion pill works and then how abortion pill reversal, you, you touched on this earlier, but how the abortion pill reversal can um, counteract the effects of the pill to help save the life of the baby. Sure. So you know, surgical abortion we use instruments is now being greatly replaced. In some European countries, 80% of all abortions are chemical abortions. And there are various different chemicals that can kill the preborn baby. In this case, in the United States, 95% uh, or more are mifepristone coupled with another uh, drug called uh, misoprostol, also known as Cytotec. So we're going to focus on the mifepristone, the first drug, because that's the one that we can reverse. Mifepristone is an anti-progesterone agent. Let's talk a little bit about progesterone first. The reason it's called progesterone, that's an acronym for progestational steroid quinone. In other words, progestational, it is the key hormone to sustain a pregnancy. If a woman has very, very low progesterone levels, she'll miscarry every single pregnancy. So we know that it's very essential to keeping the placenta well adhered to the wall of the uterus. And that, of course, is the lifeline. If that's not well adhered, then the preborn baby will not get nutrition, will not get hydration, will not get oxygen. It won't be able to expel its waste to the mother for, to, to go out. And the progesterone also keeps the uterus nice and soft and keeps it from contracting, which is very important during pregnancy. Well, if you take a chemical mifepristone, that blocks the effects of progesterone. The way it blocks it is very simple. Think about the receptors as being keyholes and the progesterone as being a key. The key goes into the keyhole, turns the lock, and a door opens. The door is what we call the hormone effect, the good things that we want to happen, keeping the placenta adhered, et cetera. Now, all of us have had the experience, I'm sure, of having a key that looks like the right key. It goes into the lock very well, but it doesn't turn the lock, right? That's a false key. That's exactly what the mifepristone does. It occupies that receptor, but does not activate the receptor, essentially blocking it from the good effects of progesterone. Well, fortunately for us, that is a dynamic process. That key goes in and out, in and out. When it comes out, that's an opportunity for the good guy key, the progesterone, to get in there, turn the lock, and open the door. So if we raise the level of progesterone, there are going to be more good guy keys lined up in front of those receptors to outcompete that bad key, the false key. That's exactly our strategy with giving supplemental progesterone to outcompete that mifepristone until it washes out of the system. Now, my understanding is that some physicians use progesterone for pregnancies that are at risk of miscarriage, that this has been used before, and that the FDA has actually approved progesterone for that use. Can you break that down a little bit more for, because it's not always used, and some people will say, well, it actually isn't effective to stave off miscarriage, but Talk us, talk us through a little more about the history of the use of progesterone. Sure. Progesterone has been used in pregnancy for over 50 years very safely and very effectively. Now, some of the studies that have been conducted have not shown a positive effect in, in preventing miscarriage. And that's because they included too many women who did not have low progesterone levels. Because it's not a magic potion. It will only help if the progesterone levels are low. So you have to select that population of women who have low progesterone levels and have what we call threatened miscarriages. They will benefit from added progesterone. And subsequent studies have shown that when you correct for that and you only look at women who have the low progesterone levels, for them it will be uh, very beneficial. 
Now, uh, progesterone in another form called progesterone 17-hydroxycaproate um, um, has had been approved by the FDA to prevent preterm delivery. And um, there's been a little bit of controversy about that because later studies didn't show such a benefit. What I feel and what many experts in the field feel is that probably the doses were used in the studies were too low, and it probably wasn't started early enough. Mm. So probably the progesterone has to be started earlier, has to be given at higher doses, and then it can be effective for preventing preterm delivery. And in fact, a little anecdote, in our studies, we showed that the women who went through APR and had babies, that their preterm birth rate was only 2.5% compared to 10% in the general population. Wow, fascinating. So I, I, I'm just knowing friends that have had um, potential, you know, they were fear, fearing that they were undergoing a miscarriage or friends that were concerned they had low progesterone. There've been a, there's sort of a variety of response you get from physicians depending on maybe how well, not how well versed they are or quite frankly, how seriously they take miscarriage because some physicians are like, oh, you're miscarrying. Sorry about that, basically. Well, other physicians are more interested in, is there a way to prevent the miscarriage? You know, bleeding is happening, prevent this from continuing. So uh, why is it that some physicians, I'm thinking about one friend in particular who thought she might be miscarrying, she was beginning to bleed, it was first trimester, and she knew that progesterone might be the antidote. She was, she's a, um, in her late 30s, so she was concerned maybe my hormone levels are low or here with progesterone. Uh, and ultimately, she ended up getting uh, a doctor who was willing to prescribe her progesterone, but it took a little while because the first doctor she spoke with, that wasn't something that they were used to prescribing. Why is there this difference uh, among, it seems to be among physicians about, where separate from the abortion pill, but just with miscarriage, that some are more comfortable with prescribing progesterone and others think it's a waste of time? Well, I think you, you alluded to it earlier in the, in the question itself, and that is that some doctors really value all life more than others do. And for those who don't value the preborn baby as much as the, the, the postnatal person, well, for them, they're not going to go the extra mile and look at the studies a little more critically and see what could be tried that really is safe and that has some, some evidence of, um, of effectiveness. They're just gonna go by the big studies, by the opinions that the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists gives, and if ACOG has not put its stamp of approval on it, well, they're not going to uh, try it. Why do you think that's the case? I mean, ACOG is a very pro-abortion body, very biased, they deny any sort of risk to abortion, they're very for abortion. Uh, is that why ACOG has not been more um, supportive of progesterone treatments for either miscarriage or for the abortion pill? I think that could be it, yes. I think uh, ACOG has a, a definite bias. They have a stated bias. They state uh, publicly that they are an abortion advocacy organization. Wow. And this is the American College of Obstetricians Gynecologists. So this That's right. is yes. the leading, not the only, but the leading governing body for OBGYNs. Absolutely, yes, a leading professional society. And so you can find that in their public statements. And it's also interesting to know that they have never polled their membership about abortion. All of their pronouncements and their advocacy is all top-down because their leadership was infiltrated several years ago by these pro-abortion activists. It's so evil and so sad because they're forcing an ideology down the throats of everyday doctors and not only everyday doctors, many who aren't so pro-abortion, they don't support abortion, but it affects miscarriage care and it affects um, women who regret abortions, uh, the chemical abortion and the treatment that they might be able to get. 
one other question on miscarriage before we get in, get back to um, APR, abortion pill reversal. Do we have a sense of how many miscarriages? I know people listening, by the way, those that have struggled with infertility, have friends who've had infertility or have had miscarriage, you know, repeat miscarriages. Do we have a sense about how many miscarriages are from low progesterone levels versus, you know, maybe chromosomal or other abnormalities that lead to a natural miscarriage or just something else that went wrong in the, in the process? So those are, are difficult to calculate um, because studies have not been done. Those are very difficult studies to do because a lot of it's after the fact. But I think the general consensus is that both of them comprise a significant portion of causes of miscarriage, both chromosomal abnormalities and other genetic defects, as well as low progesterone levels. It's so heartbreaking to me that I feel there could be many pregnancies that could continue, babies that could survive if there was more progesterone treatment available as an option to women. Yes, I think it definitely should be an option, something that should be evaluated. I don't think we should give progesterone without measuring levels, but once mm -hmm. we identify a woman who has low levels and is, and is a threat of miscarriage or has miscarried in the past, then I think we should use it and, and use it freely because um, it, it has a very safe track record of over 50 years. Wow. Are there any side effects to taking progesterone? And are there any side effects to, it's sort of the same question, but one can be used for miscarriage, one to treat uh, chemical abortion. Are there any side effects to either the use of progesterone in either of those cases? Sure. The most common side effects of progesterone are going to be sleepiness. So we often dose it at night. It also can cause um, gastroesophageal reflux or heartburn. If a woman has bad varicose veins, it can make those varicose veins uh, worse. And sometimes it can have mood uh, effects. Usually there are subtle mood effects and usually they're very calming, but we'll have the occasional woman who has the opposite effect and can feel a bit agitated mm. with, the, with the progesterone. All things considered though, those seem to be fairly minor side effects. Yes, most people are considering minor side effects. So it sounds like it's a pretty safe treatment. Yes, that's, it should be considered a very safe treatment. So tell me after you, let's go back to the story. You, you treated your first patient with progesterone to successfully reverse a chemical abortion. The pro-abortion side, by the way, says that this is impossible. So we're gonna talk about that soon. What happened next though? You're, you're, you had this experience where you treated someone, helped save a life, but you're knowing that this is a growing, the use of chemical abortion is growing. There's more patients out there who might be feeling regret after taking that first abortion pill. What, was, what, what led you to start the Abortion Pill Reversal Network? Well, after that first case, you know, as a physician, I'm part scientist, so I want to make sure that um, I have scientific evidence for what I'm doing. It seemed plausible that the progesterone would work based on what we discussed earlier, but I couldn't be absolutely sure just based on one case. So I, wanted to, I was very cautious. Um, nonetheless, I, I had some more cases that came across my way, um, one in San Diego itself, uh, a very memorable case. And then I started getting phone calls from people across the country. Hey, I heard that you reversed a chemical abortion. Can you help me out here? What, what did you do? And pretty soon I started giving advice to other doctors, started getting calls from women who found out about us, and, and I was working to connect them with doctors in their area. And as it, it sort of grew organically, and I decided at that point, well, let, let's look at this a little more critically. And that's when I published um, our first paper in the peer-reviewed literature back in 2012, looking at six cases and four were successfully reversed. So at that point, a couple of things happened. I, I met Dr. Matthew Harrison, who was one of the cases I discovered. And Dr. Harrison, it turned out, actually had done his case uh, about a year and a half before mine, unbeknownst to me. So it's great to get together with him. We're now colleagues in this. But then I also realized, well, we're onto something. 
and we're having some difficulties. One is we're having to scramble around with every phone call to try to find a doctor who can treat these women. And number two, we're finding out that some women were finding out about this too late and they're you know, days later. What does that mean, by the way, too late? Because if you take the first abortion pill, how long does it take for that baby to be killed by the starvation, basically, from progesterone, what the progesterone does for the child? And then there's also a second abortion pill, as you mentioned, misoprostol, which I believe forces the expelling of the baby that's often dead at that point and sometimes still still living. So what's the time window we're talking about here? So we've had successful reversals up to 72 hours after the, the ingestion of the mifepristone. So that, that's kind of our target. These days, fortunately, most women get started within 24 hours, and we think the sooner the better. How long after they take the mifepristone are they instructed to take, take the next pill? They're instructed to take the next pill 24 to 48 hours later. So that's a window of opportunity because we do not have a direct antidote for the second pill, mm -hmm. the misoprostol. So we like to get them if they want to reverse uh, before they've taken that second one. So uh, back to you starting the Abortion Pill Reversal Network, you were telling, sharing how you were having difficulty finding doctors willing to do this. Why, why was that or why is that? Well, why, because women were calling from all over the country and, and I, I don't have a Rolodex with you know, thousands of doctors in every little town, so I, I really had to scramble around. Also because we would uh, try to call and, and some doctors weren't interested in participating. They were being very hesitant. They weren't willing to take the risks. So I decided, well, I think we need to have an organized effort here. We need to have a network of physicians, an official organized network of physicians, and we need to have a website so that uh, we can communicate with women so they can find us when they, because most of the time they were picking up their phones and doing a search, can I stop my chemical abortion? And we needed them to land on our page so that we can give them information and so that we could connect them with that network of doctors. So that's how Abortion Pill Reversal, the network, was born back in about 2012. What's the website for Abortion Pill Reversal? So it's abortionpillreversal.com. Wonderful. How many doctors are involved now and how many lives do we know have been saved from abortion pill reversal? So we have uh, between 1,500 and 2,000 doctors in the network now. And the network uh, has helped women in all 50 states and in over 30 foreign countries. Actually, I think we're up to over 70 foreign countries wow. now that I think about it. So really an international effort. We've um, helped spawn uh, a network in Australia that, that occurred uh, early on, like around 2015. Uh, there's now a network going on in Russia. Dr. Alexei Fokin, a, a Russian physician, sent me an email uh, one day several years ago, said, hi, Dr. Delgado, my name is Dr. Alexei Fokin. I saw your website, I translated into Russia, and I've been treating women with your protocol in Russia. So he's done a great job there. Switzerland, they've also started a network. Uh, I was there about four years ago to give some talks and made some connections there, and they've since started a network, and the people in Ireland are looking to start a network too. So we're really happy about the growth there. Heartbeat International now runs abortion pill reversal because it had grown so big that it was uh, sort of too big for our local nonprofit in San Diego, Culture of Life Family Services. So they agreed to take it over, and they've uh, grown it remarkably and done a really wonderful job. I'm very happy with what they've done. And they estimate now that uh, over 4,500 babies have been saved by abortion pill reversal. And probably many more than that because not everyone goes through the network, of course. Incredible. That is incredible. So there are critics. There have been, there have even been studies or a study done that claims to prove that abortion pill reversal is harmful in some way. Walk us through what the criticism is of abortion pill reversal and tell us more about those so-called study. I think there was a California study, which 
I know it's junk, but I want you to explain it for people why, why that is, claiming that this, is, this doesn't work, this is not real. Sure. It's just been incredible, the kind of spin and falsehoods that they've been spreading. So first of all, they've said that uh, it's ineffective, that abortion pill reversal doesn't work. And they have lied to say that if a woman does nothing at all, 50% of the time, her baby's going to survive. The data really don't show that. We published a paper um, written by Dr. Mary Davenport that looked at the old mifepristone-only studies before they introduced the second drug. And those studies looked to see how, quote, effective mifepristone would be at ending the life of the preborn baby. And those studies showed, when you followed with ultrasound and other ways to document if the baby was still alive, that the baby only survived about 25% of the time. So mifepristone was effective in killing the baby 75% or more of the time. And these are conservative estimates we've used so, so not to be criticized. However, what, what they also discovered was that about 20 to 40% of the time there was incomplete emptying of the uterus, what we call incomplete abortion. Now an incomplete abortion does not um, mean that the baby has survived, it just means that the contents of the uterus have not been emptied. So they took that number and they said, well, this is survival. That's not survival, that's just incomplete emptying. So that was the first big line. They've actually backed off of that since we published that paper that Dr. Davenport wrote. Um, so they backed off that a little bit. Um, second, though, they, they say that it's not safe and it's sure to cause birth defects. And we've demonstrated that the birth defect rate in our large study was the same as the general population, about 2.5%, which is what's the reported in the general population. So that's a big line. And also, if you look at ACOG's own um, practice bulletin on chemical abortion, they talk about mifepristone. They say that uh, the mifepristone is not associated with birth defects. So ACOG itself says it's not associated with birth defects. The study I'm referring, I think it, Dr. Grossman was behind it, and I think it was at UC... Um, uh, maybe you see. You see Davis. Yeah, it was Davis. actually Dr. Mitchell Crennan. Who's been, okay. Who's been another? You, can you speak to that study? The, the study was very interesting. The, the first thing interesting about the study is that Dr. Crennan undertook that study, and he said, "quote I want to own it." In other words, he was saying that he wanted to disprove abortion pill reversal. That was the reason he undertook that study. And I'll, I want to go into a few of the details here, just so that our listeners and our viewers know why. Um, the conclusions that have been drawn from that study are totally opposite of what the study really says. Right, and I, I remember reading this, reading the the headline of the study, uh, and then reading what the study said, and said it's actually proving the opposite. But just walk us through what what did they claim the study proved, and then what did the study actually show yeah. for this UC Davis study? So what they claimed was that abortion pill reversal is unsafe. That was their big claim. Right, that, that was the big headline. Now, when you go into the study, though and you look at what Dr. Crennan himself wrote in the study itself, he said the side effects of progesterone are about the same as placebo. Okay, so right there he was saying that there are no increased side effects with progesterone. That's number one. Number two, when you looked at the so-called adverse consequences or adverse events, there were three women that called 911, were taken to the emergency department. After the third one, the study was stopped prematurely. Now, let's look at those three patients. The first one... It, and and to, to, to clarify, just for people listening, they're calling 911 after taking the abortion pill and then taking progesterone to treat the first abortion pill? Well, one of them had taken progesterone. She was in what's called the progesterone arm of the study. The other two had the placebo pill. They did not get progesterone. But all of these women had taken the abortion pill. All of them had taken the abortion and pill. And the reality is when you take the abortion pill, many women do end up at the emergency room, separate of whether or not they're attempting abortion pill reversal. Correct. Exactly. And so they were trying to pin it on the abortion pill reversal. But if you looked at those three patients, 
the one who had taken progesterone, who was the true abortion pill reversal patient, when she got to the emergency room, Dr. Crennan wrote in his study, she required no further care, i.e. she didn't need to be there, right? She panicked, which is reasonable, but she didn't need to be there, so that was no reason to stop a study. The other two were in the placebo group, that is, they got the abortion pill only, did not get progesterone. These were really not abortion pill reversal patients, and both of them required emergency surgical abortions, and one of them required a blood transfusion. So really, the conclusion should be that taking mifepristone and not doing anything else is unsafe, but not that taking progesterone after mifepristone, i.e. abortion pill reversal, is, is unsafe. That's not unsafe. And the study did not show that whatsoever. It was a major self-owned by the pro-abortion side, but exactly. they rely on their friends and media to just parrot their talking points, so they still ran the study, even though it clearly proved, yes, the abortion pill is dangerous, but abortion pill reversal can work. Exactly. The other thing, although the study was cut short, there were only 12 patients in the study, the, the ones who went through the study, there was an 80% success rate with the ones who got progesterone. Their babies survived 80% of the time until, unfortunately, of course, they, they had surgical abortions. But um, it did actually show that abortion pill reversal is successful. It did not reach what's called statistical significance because they cut the study early, which makes you wonder why they did but the numbers they had were supportive of abortion pill reversal. Now, another criticism from the pro-abortion side is that abortion regret doesn't exist. That this idea that a woman wouldn't want to complete her chemical abortion after she's taken that first pull, pill, mifepristone, uh, they don't exist. These women don't exist. And really, you know, you and anybody who is a pro-life doctor, pro, you know, care for the patient doctor is really manipulating their patients. What do you have to say to that? Well, our experience is totally different, that women often do regret their abortions and they come to us asking for help. And the research actually is very interesting. Most of the research done on this is very biased, and so it doesn't show a lot of regret. But other research done by Dr. Priscilla Coleman and others that gives a more nuanced approach shows that there is regret. And I want to point out a very important study out of the UK where Dr. Crennan himself was one of the authors. And these were women who had taken both mifepristone and misoprostol, both of them, and then had failed abortions. They were still pregnant. And so these were women who were faced with the concrete reality of having to make that choice again. And 10% of them decided to continue their pregnancies. So that tells me that when 10%, when a certain number of women have that concrete reality, if 10% of them are gonna choose life, that there is a certain amount of regret. And not only that, but these women who chose to continue their pregnancies, they had taken the second drug, and although the first drug doesn't cause birth defects, the second drug, misoprostol, does. So they were taking that chance of birth defects and they still chose life. So that tells me something, another study from Dr. Crennan himself that supports the fact that there are women who do regret and do want a second chance at life. Live Action was involved, uh, has been involved in helping to market the abortion pill reversal hotline because we have millions of followers and we're trying to share resources, best resources for the movement. And at one point we were helping generate um, leads to the hotline. And one, some days it was up to a hundred women who would want to call, who would call into the hotline just from some of the marketing we were doing online. That alone shows women are wanting an option. They're interested in reversal, and many do feel regret and uncertainty about their decision. Yes, and if these people really consider themselves pro-choice, why not give the woman a second choice? Right. The reality is their ideology is pro-abortion. 
They're not for a choice or for abortion. You mentioned Dr. Crennan, who's kind of been an arch nemesis. Are there any other leading figures right now on the pro-abortion side that have been particularly um, attacking of the abortion pill reversal process? Yes, well, Dr. Daniel Grossman has also um, been um, a big critic of, of what we've been doing. Um, and many public comments, uh, op-ed pieces, New England Journal of Medicine, he wrote one. Um, I wrote a rebuttal, but the New England Journal refused to publish it. So he's, uh, he's been a longtime abortion activist and now a big um, uh, antagonist of abortion pill reversal. What's your response to Dr. Grossman? I just want you to be open-minded. Again, if you really are pro-choice, why not give, give women a second chance at life? Why not give them something that uh, has been proven to be safe and that, um, that works? Um, there was a, a famous um, Yale physician who's uh, very much pro-abortion who works in the um, reproductive endocrinology lab. And he was quoted in a, a nationwide magazine as saying, well, it, it, it certainly makes sense that it would work. And if my daughter uh, were pregnant unexpectedly, um, took mifepristone, then changed her mind, sure, I would give her progesterone. So it just, it makes sense on the basic science, makes sense because we have animal studies supporting it and we do have human studies supporting it. There has been another criticism and we're spending a lot of time on these criticisms because this is what's preventing many women from hearing the option of abortion pill reversal because the people in power like at ACOG and even in big tech because at one point and, and still to this day, Google was um, basically censoring the ads for the abortion pill reversal network mm -hmm. saying that this wasn't somehow uh, legitimate medicine and it shouldn't be, you know, it was experimental and it couldn't be allowed. Meanwhile, Google allows ads for abortion. So it's just insane that they're not allowing ads for abortion pill reversal. So there's a big, you have big enemies. There are big enemies to this very simple and FDA approved progesterone technology. But one of the last criticisms I want to get to is that there is the uh, allegation that, well, the FDA hasn't approved the protocol. So the FDA has approved progesterone to treat, um, you know, potential miscarriage, but the FDA has not approved progesterone for the treatment of abortion pill reversal, for the treatment of the abortion pill. What's your response to that? Well, that's absolutely true. However, 20 to 25 percent of all prescriptions are for what we call off-label use. And what is off-label use? That means that the medication is used for a, to treat a condition that has not been formally approved by the FDA. And that's considered very common practice. Um, once the FDA approves a drug, if you have reason to believe and scientific backing that it works for something else, you're fine to use it. In fact, many drugs in obstetrics and gynecology are used off-label, such as terbutaline for preterm labor is uh, not officially approved for that. What's a story that you may have of um, it being very much, you know, maybe you mentioned 70, up to 72 hours was the amount of time where it became maybe possible for some patients, but after that it was too late. What's a story you might be able to share about someone that was right on the cusp and there was uncertainty, are we going to save this life? So yeah, so there's a woman who came into the office and she was um, really close to 72 hours uh, we, after taking mifepristone. We did an ultrasound and saw that the baby was still alive, but she had what's called a subchorionic hemorrhage, a little bit of bleeding between the, the placenta and the wall of the uterus. So we knew that the uh, mifepristone was probably starting to have some effect. Um, but she wanted to try to reverse her chemical abortion, so we started progesterone right away and monitored her very carefully, did another ultrasound uh, within a week, 
and saw that the baby was still alive. We still were holding our breaths a bit because we know that uh, you know, we, we've had some times where the mifepristone can take uh, several days, more than a week to, to work. And the second ultrasound at two weeks, baby was looking strong, that uh, subchorionic hemorrhage was resolving. And the woman was so grateful um, to have had that second chance at life. And when after she delivered, she uh, was just so grateful to us and was just such a loving, doting mother. It, it was just a, a really beautiful and precious to, to witness that and be a part of it. Have you ever talked to a patient or someone that, you know, could have been a patient, but they didn't know about abortion pill reversal, who expresses regret about not having had the opportunity to reverse their abortion pill? Yes, especially early on uh, when, when we didn't have the website. Um, I got some calls from women who, were, who had completed their abortions and, and had heard about this and wanted to know more about it and said that they were, they were so sorry they hadn't heard about it before. And that was really one of... Uh, those cases were really the impetus and, and the stimulus for me to, to try to reach out to them to make it so that no woman would not know about this. I want every woman who might be in this position or who is in this position to know about this so she knows her options. We're not forcing anybody to choose abortion pill reversal. We want them to know the, the possibilities. I've also had women who have had failed reversals because we don't succeed 100% of the time, but many of them have said that they were extremely grateful to have attempted the reversal because it was sort of a, a type of a personal redemption for them to do that, to know that even though they had made a mistake, they had tried to reverse and they'd done whatever they could at that point. And even though it didn't work, they, they'd really uh, had given much peace. For people listening who are not doctors or nurses, not involved in medical care, but they want to help the abortion pill reversal network. What's the role of everyday people in supporting the great work of APR? Well, everyday people are so important because we all have our spheres of influence. We have our family, our friends, people who listen to us. So if you can just talk to those you know and let them know about abortion pill reversal, that this is a possibility, that it's safe, that it's effective, and that women who are given the opportunity are extremely grateful. Let your friends know about that. If you ever have a friend who might be in this situation, we'll bring it up to her and say, well, have you thought about abortion pill reversal? Let's see if we can get some help. We want people to know about it ahead of time so that they can tell their friends or so that if they get in that situation where a woman has started her chemical abortion, changes her mind, she already has that idea in her head. And we want those who could be possible confidants to be armed and ready with that good information so they can they, they can know all about it. And if they go to abortionpillreversal.com, they can read all about it and get some great information. Also, I'd recommend that they go to stenoinstitute.org to get a lot of information about Steno Institute, which is uh, uh, increasing education, awareness, and research around abortion pill reversal. It's such an important point that everyone listening, you can be the marketers, the sharers of the good news of APR. I talked to a, a woman recently who was sharing the story of a client that she was serving. She works in the pregnancy care world who ended up taking abortion pill reversal because they regretted taking the abortion pill, didn't know what to do, mentioned it to their sister who knew about the unplanned pregnancy and the abortion pill that she had taken. And the sister had happened to see a sign outside the abortion clinic put up by the pregnancy center across the street for abortion pill reversal. Mm -hmm. And her ability to remember that, tell her sister, her sister going to the website, ended up saving the life of that little baby. So just the power of that sign, and then of course the power of word of mouth to, I mean, ultimately everybody, everyone should know about the existence 
of abortion pill reversal. How do we make that happen? Yeah, well, you know, it takes many instances to learn something. They say that you have to see a concept or hear about it 10 times before it really is ingrained. So I think, you know, repetition is the mother of learning. So it's a matter of, you know, if you're out on the sidewalk, have those signs that say APR, you know, or abortion pill reversal, put it out there so that she can see it. If you are talking to friends about these issues, bring it up, spread, you know, things from live action, post them on your Facebook or your other social media. Tell your friends about it. It's just, it's a matter of just using our spheres of influence so that others can benefit from this life-saving information. How many doctors are now involved with abortion pill reversal in the network? So we think that there are between 1,500 and 2,000 doctors in the network and many others who also prescribe abortion pill reversal who are not in the network. How many do we, how many are we wanting to get? What's the, what's the goal? I think there's I don't know, in ACOG, 40,000 OBGYNs alone. Yeah. What's the goal? Well, the goal really is for abortion pill reversal to be part of what's called the standard of care. And really, if you think about it, this is kind of an emergency. This is kind of like an ICU situation. So my goal, and what we're working for right now, is to get emergency departments on, on board. So the woman says, I have a medical emergency. I want to save my baby. I'm going to go to the emergency department. That's where emergencies go. And that the emergency department can start it and then refer out. And then also so that every primary care doctor, every OBGYN, so if the patient calls, hey, uh, Dr. OB, I've taken the abortion pill. I've changed my mind. Can you help me? Oh, yeah, I can help you. It's no second thought. Standard of care. If that's what the woman wants, it's ethical, it's good, let's do it. So I think that that's really our, our goal. Um, and the goal would be that we don't have to have a network in the future. That just the network is the medical network. Um, we probably always will need the network, of course, because of uh, certain powers in organized medicine. But uh, certainly, you know, I think if we have um, 10,000, 20,000 doctors in our network, we're going to be really well covered. But it's going to be essential that it, it's just it's just part of the common landscape in medicine to to help these women who are asking for the help. If every single woman who took the abortion pill knew when she was taking it, that I can possibly reverse this. Now, Planned Parenthood actively says you can't to these women, mm -hmm. but let's say every woman knew that that was possible. How many do you think would attempt reversal? I think easily about 25% would would want to. There's there's a lot of denial that goes into this decision, of course, and, and my feeling is that women are hardwired to protect and nurture their young and their unborn. It's just part of being a woman. You probably know that as being a mother. However, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of psychological barriers that come to play, both from society and from their situations, that allow them to deny that uh, yearning to protect their um, preborn babies. And so that would keep some women probably from seeking reversal, but I think easily a 25% would. Do you think there's any lawsuit potential for women who've been told it's not possible to reverse, and they, this is Planned Parenthood's official line, it's not possible or it's risky, you know, you can attempt it, but it's not gonna work and it's going to be risky for your health. And it's funny because they say it could lead to birth defects in the baby, but then that would mean the baby would live, you know, so it, it, did, it did work in that sense. But all that to say, that's what they're being told. Do you think that there are is potential liability for the lies, quite frankly, that are being told by the pro-abortion side? To patients. Absolutely, because not only are there lies, they're lying that there's a risk of birth defects when there isn't, they're lying that it's not effective when it isn't, but the, the lies are, go deeper because part of medical treatment is something we call informed consent, and they're not giving good informed consent. Informed consent means the patient makes the decision to go forth, let's, in this case with the chemical abortion, 
based on good information given by the, the abortion center. They're not following that the way physicians and clinics should. So I think the area is ripe for lawsuits. And I think we just need uh, women to come forward and say that, yes, they lied to me and show, show the paperwork that they gave and, and what they said. And then we have some very good legal groups out there who, who would be willing to take those lawsuits. And if anyone's listening who was lied to by their doctor, the abortionist, however they procured that chemical abortion and they were lied to, uh, there are legal groups that I know we're both in touch with that would love to talk with them. Absolutely. So what's the future for Dr. George Delgado and Abortion Pill Reversal Network? Well, the future is I want to continue to work to bring this to as many women as possible who might change their minds and want to reverse their chemical abortions. I want to perfect the protocols so that we can be even more effective. I want to look for ways that possibly to stay ahead of the game. Uh, we're going to see, especially in some areas, uh, if mifepristone is uh, taken off the market, they'll be using the second drug, misoprostol. I want to see if we can have a way to reverse that. There are other drugs they use sometimes, methotrexate. We have ways to reverse that, perfect those protocols, and just be aware that you know, humankind is always going to be imperfect. And there will always be those who will seek to end their pregnancies, and they'll, take, they'll find other chemicals and drugs to use. So we want to stay abreast of that, want to find ways to reverse those so that we can give women hope, so we can give women a second chance at life. Such an important goal and such an incredible mission that you have. The goal of the pro-life movement, of course, is to ban these lethal drugs that are killing children. I think we have a good shot at that. I think we're going to achieve that goal. But like you said, we'll always need medicine for those that may have made a mistake and to help mend and hopefully heal and save the life of that child. So thank you for pioneering such incredible technology and for being a voice for hope for so many women and families. Well, it's, it's a privilege, and it's just a message to women who are in those situations. We never judge you. We love you, and we want to be there to support you. And we want to show you that abortion is not the only way out of your situation, that with love and support, the horizons are opened up, and you'll see things much differently. Mm. And where can people find your work, Dr. Delgado, and find Abortion Pill Reversal? Give us the website again and, sure. and, and also so, the website of your organization. So our organization is Steno Institute, stenoinstitute.org. You'll find a lot of great information there, both about uh, chemical abortion as well as abortion pill reversal. A lot of great uh, clips and podcasts, and uh, we'll have links to, to this show on there. And if they're interested in uh, finding more about the network, uh, abortionpillreversal.com. Excellent. Everybody, abortionpillreversal.com. Put that in your phone. Keep that on hand and make sure people, friends and family know about it because everyone needs to be equipped with abortionpillreversal.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Delgado, and uh, keep up the amazing work. We're, we're rooting for you and we're, we're with you in the fight. Thanks for your support.